Thanks for joining us for the Connect Podcast. I'm Cole Phillips, the lead pastor of the Connection Church, and every week we're going to look into the Bible to find out how God's Word connects to our everyday lives. It's going to be life-changing. The Connect Podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service, Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. All right, I want to welcome you here. I'm so glad that you're joining me today for our podcast. I'm excited as we continue to to get into the Gospel of John and uh, get God's Word into our lives so we get it out of our lives into the world around us. And uh, this is going to be a great one today. I'm really excited. There's a lot of content. So you want to get your Bible. You want to get your, um, you want to get something to write with, take some notes. And um, let's get into this together today. You know, there is a lot of concern in our world today about security. In fact, uh, at the Connection Church, whenever we get together, we, uh, we always think about security. And uh, so we're even uh, ramping up and amping up our, our security team here. And, uh, and we just we want to make sure that we provide a safe environment that gives people the best opportunity to, uh, to experience God, to experience his plan for them. And, uh, and so that's, that's very important. And we see this in our world. Uh, we see in our world security uh, being a great concern uh, certainly, we've had a lot of uh, mass shootings, and uh, way back now, uh, in uh, ten years ago, in uh, 2012, in February, there was a 17-year-old named T.J. Lane uh, from Chardon, Ohio, who went into his school's cafeteria and started just gunning down his classmates, and and he he shot and killed three other students. But if it wasn't for the courage of Coach Frank Hill, many more students would have died that day. But the, the funny thing is, uh, Hall doesn't consider himself a hero at all. He's six foot one, 350-pound football coach. He said he has plenty of fears. He hates confrontation. He's afraid of heights. He's afraid of roller coasters. He's afraid of scary movies. And he uh, jumps you know, through the ceiling when his kids sneak up on him. And so on one level, Coach Hall is more of a teddy bear than he is a fighter. He summarizes his coaching attitude and code in two sentences. Here's what he says. Every kid is someone's pride and joy or wants to be someone's pride and joy. I keep thinking, how would I want my kid to be treated? And then I treat them that way. What What a great attitude. But Frank Hall also says, there's one word that defines his life calling above all other, and that is protector. So as the shots rang out that February morning in the Chardon High School cafeteria, Frank, Coach Hall, he knew what he had to do. He's a follower of Christ, and he felt the hand of God on his life through this uh, crisis and tragedy, and he responded with courage 
in the face of danger. And so as students were hiding under their desks, Hall charged at the gunman and his voice booming, stop, stop. T uh, the, the shooter uh, was thrown off guard by his charge and he shot and he missed as Hall dove behind a Coke machine. And when Jen Sprinzel, a 51-year-old secretary, rushed out of her office to follow the shots, the shooter pointed his gun in her face. Uh, Hall, Coach Hall, had four adopted sons at home, uh, two black, two biracial, that he didn't want to leave fatherless. But once again, he rose up and he shouted, no. And then he charged at Lane, who turned around, started running. Uh, police found the, the, the shooter uh, on a wooded road, shivering and wearing a t-shirt with the word killer on it. But when they asked why he had run away, he said, because the coach was chasing me. And in a later interview, Hall said this. He said, I know it sounds crazy, but in all honesty, I didn't really think about anything. I just reacted. As a society, um, we cannot lose our outrage when, uh, when things happen, um, when, when these kinds of tragedies happen. We can't just get to the point where we accept these kinds of things as just part of our lives now. We have to make sure we as a people don't accept it. We can't. We can't. Um, and, and so, you know, we think about security. We think about courage in the face of danger. But uh, we think about the fact that um, because this man was a follower of Christ, even in the face of his fears, he had courage and he felt secure enough to do something in the middle of that situation. And, um, you know, we want to remember that we have God's protection to be protectors. He said his, his word was protector because what God does for us, then we can turn around and we can do for others. We remember there is a spiritual battle going on all around us. And, uh, we're going to be talking about this today. We're going to be talking about security we're going to be talking about uh, the spiritual battle that's happening all around us. And we're looking here in John chapter 17 now, and this is Jesus' prayer. And just note, Jesus is praying. Jesus is praying. Isn't that incredible uh, to hear the prayer of Jesus, but also to know what would Jesus pray for? And we get to see that here what he prayed was for believers. He prayed for his followers at that time, but he prays uh, also for us. And this prayer has meaning for us today as we look at the prayer of Jesus. We look at Jesus' prayer and how we can be an answer to Jesus' prayer. And one way we can be an answer to Jesus' prayer is to live in his security that he offers to us. Um, so what did he pray? Well, let's look at verses 9 through 11 first and talk about that. We're going to talk about verses 9 through 19 today. 
But starting in verse 9, he said, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Now first, it's interesting, I think the first kind of um, sort of red flag that we get as we read this and we go, what, what? We kind of question like, what? And Jesus says, I uh, am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me. And uh, so he's not, he, why is he not praying for the world? Well, not because he doesn't love the world, because he does love the world. In fact, John 3, 16 reminds us, God so loved the world that he sent his son into the world. Right, and that's why Jesus came uh, into onto the planet to save the world, so that we um, would know Him and that we wouldn't be separated from Him and be uh, drowning in in our sin. But also, He it wasn't He wasn't not praying for the world because the world doesn't need prayer. The world needs um, the world needs our prayers, and He prayed for uh, forgiveness for the world. He prayed that that. Uh, people would come to him, come to know him. But at this moment, this particular prayer of Jesus, he was praying for his disciples. This was his prayer at this moment. And he was focusing in because his followers were given to him by God. He says, for those you have given me, that's who I'm praying for, because that's who he was responsible for, um, that, that And he knew they were going to be facing some special challenges in the coming days with what Jesus was about to go through and what they were about to go through. And, and he prayed for them because they belong to him. They belong. He says, Jesus says, all I have is yours and all you have is mine. The disciples belong to God and to the son, Jesus. And so they are concerned they, they care uh, equally. They care for the disciples. And Jesus knows because God cares what he cares about, for what he cares about, that God is not only hearing this prayer, but God is also going to answer his prayer. But he also, he prayed for his disciples because as we talked about last week, the disciples, their uh, job and our job as well is to bring glory to Jesus. That means to, to lift him up and to make him known and to show him clearly um, by living according to his word in the Bible and doing what he says um, and, and being um, loyal to Jesus and being committed to Jesus. That's how we lift him up and show the world that he is the Savior, the, the Lord of all and uh, so he prayed for them that they would be strong in their lives, strong in their commitment to him, and, and that, they, that in turn, their lives would point back to Jesus. I love 1 Peter 2.9 that says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. See, he called you and set you apart so that, 
so that you would worship him, so that you would point people, others to him and shine that light. So that's why he was praying for them. And he said, all I have is yours and all you have is mine. Jesus is saying this to God. That's an incredible claim because all of us, we could say, well, God, I'm committing. You, You could say this. I hope it's true for you. You say, God, I'm committing everything I have to you. Okay. But could, could you say, uh, God, all you have is also mine and all you have belongs to me? I mean, he owns it all. He holds it all together. And so as Jesus was praying again, he is showing himself to be God and claiming to be God. Now, also, Jesus was leaving the world and he was returning to heaven. And so he was leaving his mission um, to his followers, which is incredible. Like Jesus had this mission in the world, but as he leaves, he's passing it on to his followers to go into the world to share this message. I mean, imagine Jesus going through all of this, leaving the glory of heaven, coming into this sinful, messed up world, leaving a per- living a perfect, sinless life, going through the, the cruelness of the, the cross and leaving it in the hands of people, fallen people, uh, fickle people who, who uh, get distracted and they care more about themselves many times than they do about Jesus' mission, right? And yet he was entrusting this mission to his followers. That's the only way it was going to spread. And so uh, they were the ones who were going to be going out. And so he, he needed them to be commissioned, to be strengthened, and to be ready to stand in the middle of a world that is hostile to the faith. And so his followers were the ones who needed some special prayer because his whole mission of, of saving the planet depended on their faithfulness and on their endurance in the mission. And so he was praying with this great uh, urgency and intensity And he was asking God to do the impossible. And he gave them, and therefore he also gave us, this commission in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus said to them, uh, he came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so he's given us this commission. His commission is our mission. And so let's look at how we can be an answer to Jesus' prayer um, by he's going to pray for our security in the world. And when you're secure, then you can really be united with each other. In verses 11 and 12, Jesus prayed that God would keep his disciples together as one, as one family, as one unit. And he was praying that the disciples would be kept from the divisiveness of our world. Our world is so divided and divisive. Um, And um, so they were living in the middle of a divided world that's divided over all kinds of issues and topics and ideas based on what? On our own opinion, setting ourselves up as the authority, but to be united, we come under one 
opinion, and that's God's and God's thoughts and God's truth, God's ways. It's not an opinion at all. It's just it's just fact, right? So <clears throat> so let's talk about that unity that Jesus prayed that we would be one just as he and the Father were are one. And uh, so our unity should be as strong and as as consistent as unified as the unity between uh, the Son and the Father, and uh, and that was the theme of Jesus' prayer here. This this uh, unity, and we're going to look at that again next week. But he says uh, this about being protected from the world. Our world. Think about how our world is divided. Our world is divided because of prejudice um, over culture, skin color, um, income level, um, you know, the, the war of the sexes between men and women. Uh, we're competitive, um, lustful, selfish. Um, sometimes it's our hurt that causes us to be divided. You hurt me, so therefore... You know, I, I reject you. Um, greed, our pride, um, our hatred. We're divided because of the wars that always have taken place throughout history between nations. Um, this list could go on and on and on because we are divided because of our sin and because of our sinful nature. But that's what Jesus came into the world to change, to change our hearts, to give us his love. But that divisiveness of the world was a threat to the early disciples because they were in the world. And so it's very easily to be influenced by the world. And so Jesus had to pray for them, for God to keep them together as one. And he said that they may be one, he said, as we are one. And so we have that same kind of unity that that the Son and the Father have. That means there's three three levels of that. The first is that we are to be one in our very nature. What is our nature as followers of Jesus? Well, the Bible says that first, we've been born again. Okay, it's a second birth. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have a, a second birthday. And um, we actually celebrate our daughter's uh, spiritual birthday. But 1 Peter 1.23 says, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. You've been born again, new life, right? So you have this new nature. You've been made into a new creation, um, not the old man or not the old person, but the new person. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, um, says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And so we live as a new person, okay? And, 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 and not according to our old nature. But we also have become participants in a divine nature, a godly nature. Second Peter 1.4 tells us, Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So you don't have to be ruled by your base uh, wants and desires 
anymore. Um, and this is more than just our uh, personal nature that we experience, but now we are a member of a new body of people, a new class, a new group of people. In Ephesians 2.16, it says we're a new body of people. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. So we can be unified with each other because we've been made, we're part of the same body, okay? We want to take care of our body, of our physical body, right? We want to take care of our our spiritual body, which is the body of Christ. But we've also been made into a new nation in Ephesians 2.19. This is all in Ephesians 2, by the way, between verses 16 and 22-23. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you're fellow citizens with God's people. And mem- Okay, so you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but now you're citizens of a new nation, um, a, a, a godly uh, nation. A, not, not, I'm not talking about America. I'm talking about a spiritual kingdom. We're also a new family. That verse goes on to say, and also members of his household, the family of God. We call this... Um, a forever family. It's a family that that even supersedes our earthly family. It's even greater than our earthly family because it goes on forever. Also, the Bible says we're a new temple. Check this out, like a, a new church. Like in him, in Ephesians 2.21, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. So it's like we're all bricks in a in a building. Uh, we're a new building, the Bible says, as it goes on in Ephesians uh, 20, uh, or Ephesians 2 and verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. And um, so, and we're, check this out, a couple more. We're a new fellowship. We're a new fellowship in Ephesians 2.22. Uh, in, in him, you're being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So God lives, same God that that the spirit that lives in you lives in me. We are a new race, uh, Ephesians 4.17. Uh, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. So these were primarily people who were Gentiles. That means they weren't Jewish people, but uh, they were not living that way. They, our primary identification as believers, first and foremost, is as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian. And that means that we are to walk in unity and friendship and fellowship and family with our brothers and sisters in Christ in unity with other believers. And we have to guard against letting the divisiveness of the world uh work its way into our life by complaining and criticizing, envying, gossiping, backbiting, uh, standing against, uh, ignoring, overlooking, uh, rejecting others. Like we include everyone because everyone matters. We're all one family, right? But then believers are to be one in care in our character. Okay, this is so important that we're to be godly and holy, set apart 
Um, we're to live lives of obedience, following after Jesus. So let me read a few verses on that. Second Peter 1, 5 says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. And then um, on the flip side, what do we cut out of our lives? Well, Galatians 5.19 says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So it's it's here's how we are to live. Here's how we are not to live. And that is our character. We're in character development in our life. And we are also to produce fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, that is love, peace, patience, uh, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, uh, self-control, okay, um, Again, a patient, let's say patience, against these things, there's no law in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But then also, one other thing, the way we're to be united. And this is so key in terms of our unity. And that is that we're to be one in our purpose, our mission. We have a purpose. You know, the Bible says without uh, a vision, the people perish, the people run amok. I, I say without uh, without vision, the people will find a new parish, meaning they'll go to another church where there's a vision because, because if we're focused on the mission that God has called us to, we, we don't have time for infighting over these silly, petty little things, right? And so we are to give everything we have to, um, to serve and to share the message of salvation to a world that is lost and dying and perishing apart from Jesus, that is in desperate need. And so we give everything we have to see that message spread to our world, um, just like Jesus gave everything so that the world would be saved. We want to give everything so the world will be saved. And um, that is the hope of the world. Even today, even right now, when we see all the problems in our world, um, our greatest hope, our only hope, is that people will come to know Jesus. And it is possible. It's not mission impossible. It's mission possible. Second Corinthians 5.20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What's an ambassador? It's uh, someone who goes to another nation to represent a country. An or, a, or a king or a pot, you know, it, it is uh, for us, we are ambassadors, representatives, the, the voice and the, the spokesperson um, for Jesus in our world. Uh, we're his hands and his feet, but we're also his voice to, to, to tell people how they can be saved. And uh, the beautiful thing is that we're seeing that happen, like people are being saved and each individual life that comes to know Jesus, it changes, um, it can change everything around them. And, um, you know, we what we see is uh, people looking at the church today, and it's so divisive over 
things that you can make anything into a primary issue, you know, but um, the things we fight about are secondary issues. They're not about salvation. Um, and we've got to keep the main thing the main thing because people are looking at us fighting over things that don't really matter. And they say, well, they're no different than, than the rest of the world. Why would I want what they have? See, people want a community where they're known, where they're loved, and uh, that's what we have to offer. We can offer that because Jesus has made us one, and people are desperately in need of that today. And that's what they should experience when they come into a, a church family, a church environment. Um, and Jesus is praying that believers are one in a world that is in many different factions. Um, Jesus kept the disciples while he was in the world. And, um, you know, he didn't lose any of them except Judas. And Judas' betrayal happened to fulfill scripture, um, to fulfill that prophecy. But uh, Jesus was leaving the world, so he knew God had to keep them, and God will keep them. In verse 12 of John 17, he says, while I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. But, um, but um, we can answer Jesus' prayer by living securely, by knowing that we're held by the strong and mighty hands of God. That is security. Security is the keeping power of God. And that doesn't mean that, that uh, we're not going to have problems. We're not going to have sickness. Um, it, doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that. What it means is that nothing is going to get to you that doesn't first pass through the loving, uh, wise hands of God. And, um, and you, are, you can live a, a, a victorious life. When you follow Jesus and you have this security, it's the security of the believer. Um, first, Jesus prayed for it. But second, um, God has given us to Christ, and he says this over and over in this chapter, and he's going to allow nothing to separate us from his son. I have, um, I have several verses on the security of the believer I want to share with you. Uh, Romans 8.35 says, What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famineness or nakedness or danger or sword? No. No, nothing. Um, and Philippians 1.6, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Um Jude 24, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. I like to think of it like this, like the security is like if um, you were to grab onto God's hand, and sometimes I illustrate it by having someone uh, grab onto my hand and say, whose grip is stronger? Is it yours or God's? So you can let go, but God is going to hold on to that which is his. Now, also, we can answer Jesus' prayer by living joyfully. Jesus prayed that his disciples would have 
great joy. In fact, he says fullness of joy in verse 13. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. As you choose to live a joyful life, a joy-filled life that is not based, I'm not saying, you know, fake it till you make it. I'm not saying that we should never be sad, but even in the midst of the, the middle of the hardest experiences of your life, you have a joy that comes from so much deeper because it's not based on your circumstances, that joy you have is not given by your circumstances or by the world. So the world can't take it. Jesus is the one who gives it. It's the joy of Jesus. And then also, we, um, when he talks about security, he says we are secure from the attacks of the enemy. And Jesus prayed that God would keep the disciples um, safe from the world and from the evil one. He's talking about the snake himself, the devil. He's talking about Satan. And he says in verse 14 through 16, he's praying. He says, I've given them your word and the world has hated them. Okay, why? Why does the world hate them? Because of the truth of the word. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. We are not of the world. We're in the world, not of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. We're not removed. We're not supposed to go have our own little Christian commune somewhere separate from the rest of the world. He's placed us in the world because that's how salt works and light works. Where do you put a light? In dark places, right? And so he says, they are... And I finish that, but that you protect them from the evil one, that they are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Um, this uh, old school evangelist and pastor named J. Wilbur Chapman, he said this, it's not the ship in the water, but the water in the ship that sinks it. So it's not the Christian in the world, but the world in the Christian that presents a danger. Okay, the, We can be in the world, but you have to make sure that you don't allow the world to get into you get into your life and your thinking and because the world and Satan both stand opposed to all that Jesus is and all that we stand for and all that we that we believe and all that we we preach and share with the world and the world and and Satan stand against God's love think about that the love of God because God's love isn't the kind of love that the world wants where it's just like uh, approval. It's not the grandfatherly love of indulgence. If you ever see a, par a permissive parent, that's not the way God is because he, he knows there's danger in that. He knows that's not true love. God's love is love of real obedience that gives all you are and all you have to meet the desperate needs of a world that is lost in sin and death, that is headed toward uh, destruction. So true love loves so much that it speaks the truth and it does everything it can to help the world that's in desperate need. Most people in the world are, are will not give anything other than just uh, the, the easiest thing to give. And, and when they do, they want to be recognized and applauded. Well, that's not, uh, that's not God's love. God's love gives everything so the world can be saved. 
also the world and, and Satan stand against God's holiness and God's true justice. You see, social justice that is not the same thing as biblical justice because we know that uh, the world and Satan don't want real justice because ultimately everyone will stand before God one day to give an account of our lives and our works and our sin and our evil. And, and nobody wants that, right? Nobody wants that. And so they stand against the true justice of God. But they ultimately, they stand, the world and Satan stand against Jesus because Jesus is the one who is the son of the true son of God. And uh, when he is, because he is the true son of God, then he demands and deserves our full surrender, our full uh, commitment of our lives to him. And the world and the devil certainly are not prepared to do that because they want to serve themselves, right? And so Jesus is praying, God, protect my followers from the world and the devil. And, and because the world and the devil, not only do they hate God and his son, but they hate followers of Jesus, true followers of Jesus. Uh, we think, oh, everybody's going to love us. That's just not the case. We have a choice to make between the word of God or the world around us. Okay, and we have the true word of God and God's word reveals God's love. It's a sacrificial love that is different from the kind of love that the world wants. God's word reveals God's holiness and his justice and it reveals our own dark hearts and our own sinfulness. And so people reject that and refuse to face it. They just want to, uh, you know, have it affirmed. Um, why do you think our world wants to have so much of their sin affirmed? It's because they know. They know every moment that they stand guilty. And uh, Jesus demands our total devotion and our total commitment. And so the disciples, they were not of the world. Jesus is not of the world. Jesus came from God out of heaven and we have been born again by the Spirit of God. We've been given the nature of God, a new nature. And so the world doesn't want anything to do with that kind of sac sacrificial, um, righteous, godly nature. Um, and um, yet the disciples are needed to be in the world. And we as Jesus followers are needed to be in the world, not to be taken out of the world as much as we might say, Jesus, come soon, come today, you know, the, or, or may, maybe we want to just retreat into the woods somewhere or up on a mountain somewhere or by like we want to get out of all of this mess. Our world needs us and yet our world needs us to be kept from the schemes of the enemy so that we can be ambassadors and messengers of God into the world. Uh, the message of God. I mean, especially you think about right then when Jesus was giving his life on the cross and just how fragile it seeming, seems to be the message the gospel was at that time. Because at that point, only a few followers got it. And if they didn't do what they had to do, then the message would have could have disappeared. Although that's not going to happen because this is God's plan so that the world 
would be saved. But Jesus prayed that they would be armored up, that they would be protected. Ephesians 6.10 talks about the armor of God. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We have an armor that protects us in the world. And these disciples were the same nature as Jesus. Um, I want to keep going because I got one more thing in verses 17 and through 19, and that is that Jesus prayed that God would sanctify the disciples. Um, he says in verse 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world for them. I, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Um, First, let me just point out, you know, your word is truth. The, the true word of God, once again, affirmed. But also, this word sanctified is a word that we don't use much. We don't use this. You don't hear it much. Um, what does it mean to be sanctified? Well, it means that you're set apart and, and separated and different. And there are these three st- stages of sanctification. First, there's the immediate positional sanctification. When you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, at that moment, you are set apart for God once and for all. So you are sanctified, but then you are continuing to be sanctified by by allowing God's Spirit to work in you every day to help you be more and more like Jesus, to cut those sinful attitudes and actions out of your life. And that sanctification process, it is never completed as long as you are on this planet, as long as you are alive and breathing air, you're going to continue that sancti- God's going to continue that sanctification process in your life to make you more like Jesus. And then there's also, not only is there that immediate sanctification, the process of sanctification, but also there, there's an eternal sanctification when we are, that work is completed in our life. And when you're in heaven and there's no more sin, there's no more failure, that day is going to be an incredible day when you are finally fully complete and his work in you is fully complete. And um, so we know sanctification is the way that God chooses to work in our lives as we choose to follow him, to be obedient to him. And so it comes though in our lives. How do you how do you become sanctified? Well, you got to get into the Word of God, uh, but through the truth of the Word, Jesus says, it's through studying uh, the Word of God, but not just knowing it. It's through doing it, um, and that means you're going to look different, you're going to think different, you're going to act different than the way the world around you thinks. Maybe your friends think. You know, you're gonna you're gonna be making different choices. And uh, we've got to get into God's word every day and get God's word into our life, which is one of the reasons why we do this study right now, because we have a choice to make, whether or not we're going to live according to the world and the world's ways, or whether we're going to live according to the word of God and his ways. And when you're secure, when you're secure in God and in Christ, um, you don't have to try to fit in with the world around you. You can... Uh, choose to be different because you're secure. Your your identity and your self-worth isn't dependent on what somebody else thinks about you. It's about what God thinks about you because he's left us here in the world um, 
but he has he has prayed for our protection in his name. You are in the world, but you are not of the world. And so right now as we close, I want us to call together on the power of the name of Jesus to empower us, to protect us, and to use us in great ways. That is the way that we can be an answer today to the prayer of Jesus all the way back then. But today you can live that out in your life. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for the truth of your word. God, for your calling on our life. God, that you've given us great security. We're so concerned about security in our world, and yet you hold us secure. We are held in your hands, and we know that nothing is going to come at us today or this week that doesn't first pass through your loving hands. Thank you for your work that you're doing in us to sanctify us, to set us apart, God, and we commit ourselves to that process to follow after you. Help us to care more about what you think than about what uh, the world around us thinks because our ultimate desire is to live to please you and to bring glory to your name. And we pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, have a blessed week and I look forward to seeing you real soon. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you for joining us for this week's Connect podcast. If you liked what you heard, then be sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, rate. We want to spread this good word to everybody we can who needs to hear this message. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to you joining us next week for the Connect podcast. <music>